Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Pat on Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. on the Paddle and Finn podcast. I'm Ryan here, and I was missing last week. Sean handled it for me with uh, with uh, the Trash Panda, but we got Sean back in here again. I'm back, and today we are doing a host interview. We got Jimmy Skinner from the uh, the Real Down episode. I almost said Final Cast. I don't know why. <laughs> I've been on that one. I've been on that one, too. <laughs> but yeah, we we got Jimmy from uh from the Real Down. You know, he's still newer to the podcast, and you know, everybody knows we got a bunch of different segments, a bunch of you know different topics on each segment and everything. Some people listen to some, some and not others, and everything. So for the people that haven't you know got to know you or anything that maybe haven't heard you on that segment yet, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? who you are, where you're from, what you do, all that good stuff. Well, I'm uh, Jimmy Skinner. I'm from uh, North Alabama, sharing the same state with Dan. I've just got the better fishing end of the state than he does. Uh, <laughs> I think see. he'll I've, admit that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've told him he needs to just move up here and get it over with. <laughs> I'm 10 minutes from the Tennessee River, and then at any of the lakes, Pickwick and Gunnersville is like within oh. an hour. So it's a mecca. That, oh wow! Yeah, that you is... ain't too far away from me. No, you're uh you're in uh, Tennessee, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm about forty I... miles south of Nashville. Okay, I don't consider pretty much any part of Tennessee too far away anymore. 
I'm I'm always up there going to hook one or trying to go fish with those guys. So it, I consider it like a day trip destination. So, <laughs> but no, I uh, yeah, I'm new new to the reel down, new to the podcast thing. Uh, it's been fun so far. I don't really, I still don't kind of re- realize that I do it. If that makes any sense, like I'm like, oh yeah, it's Monday night. I got to re- record a podcast, and I definitely feel like I listen less now. Like <laughs> I don't I don't listen to our segment anymore because I don't want to hear myself talk. Same here. I don't listen to ours either. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not the only one. But well, I like... see, I, I'm usually I listen to every segment of the podcast. But since I've been off work, yeah, I always listened at work, and I've been off work since late May or I mean late March, and so I'm way behind now because I haven't kept up at all. Yeah, I, I do pretty good. I keep up, which I do a lot of different podcasts too, and then not not all fishing podcasts. I listen to most of our segments uh i don't i don't think i've missed one of y'all's i don't ever miss the final cast i love the after hours i can't wait to be on one of those (laughs) (laughs) we haven't had one of those for a while that's no but with everything going on and all the bracket stuff it's just been yeah it's been crazy and then with us you know the reel down switch to live on monday night yep and that's been that's been fun so far it was kind of, I got thrown into that. Like I was going to say, you guys just jumped right in on that. That's yeah, it was crazy. like, hey, you did your first one. <laughs> now we're going live. And I was just like, oh, okay, let's go. Yeah, but it's been cool, man. We've got to have we've got to have some guests on that people I think yeah. I've never talked to. That's like awesome. my first first show, we had Greg Blanchard on. And like I was like, keep the fanboy down. <laughs> Be professional. But, yeah, you know, but afterward, he stayed on. And, yeah, but afterward, he stayed on and talked with us for a while. So that was pretty cool. Awesome. But yeah, no, I'm uh nothing nothing fancy about me. I I work all the time, and then I try to fish any other time that I'm not working. And now making time for doing this is another new hobby, I guess. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. I appreciate you bringing me on. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you mentioned you're close to Tennessee River. You're close to you know the big lakes and all that. What what what's your preference? Are you more of a river guy? Or are you more of a lake guy? It's funny because, so I grew up in Birmingham and I grew up on the Black Warrior River. And uh, so that style of river fishing was how I started in a John boat, you know, stuff like that. Um, kind of got out of fishing when I got back in fishing. When, when I found kayak fishing and I got back into fishing, I figured I would do, uh, you know, I wanted to fish the big lakes. That's, oh, I'm going to go fish tournament on Gunnersville. Oh, I'm going to go fish on Wheeler and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, the skinny water thing, like river fishing, you know, river fishing in my, I have a different definition for river fishing. Like we just call it creek fishing because, you know, we go get back way up in skinny water. And uh, that wasn't really an interest of mine until uh, my buddy Dan Sasser and Blake Robertson, they got me to go to a, a creek that actually feeds into Pickwick. And it's like you can make it a four or five hour float trip, put in, put in up high on the really skinny water and you float down to a, a little park and uh i think i caught 15 fish that first trip and every one of them was on top water and that's my thing and i've been hooked ever since man i, I love the the skinny water fishing i still like lie to myself during tournament season and try to put out like when our we have our local tournament on gunnersville i'm like okay let's go get on the big water you know what you're doing no i don't if if i would stop trying to make that happen and just go find skinny water on that lake i could probably do a lot better but uh but no yeah so my preference would be river fishing more or anything current you know 
places that no one else try to go, stuff like that. But it, it it's worked out so far. It, I, anybody that hasn't done it definitely needs to try it. Just don't come try it where I'm at. I like my spots. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I thought I thought about you know inviting myself down there to fish with you. Oh no, y'all are I guess y'all are different. Man. <laughs> Adam, family, I can show y'all some stuff. Awesome. Right on. So you mentioned top water. You know, people. You know, when people talk about gunners, well, you know, a frog is often thought of a lure for that body of water. Is that what you're meaning by top water? You mix it up. What all you? I do a little bit of everything. Um, so when I'm fishing skinny water or river fishing, uh, I have more success with a spook as of late. Uh, I think it, Sean. I think that was you that was asking about that in the in the group chat yep uh like last year even on gunnersville uh i took it to gunnersville to try uh going into the fall and anytime you could find fish schooling i'd pull out the uh super spook junior and i upsize the hooks two sizes on it and just throw it as far as you can and just you know walk it across and i i've got some cool video of it just nothing big but just fish after fish after fish um Another another one that I like to do is uh like everybody's throwing at the whopper plopper, it it just it has a place to me more so when you're fishing like current, and the, the skinnier water it just I don't know I don't have a I don't have a lot of luck with like a buzz bait or anything like that topwater fishing in skinny water, um I've recently started throwing horny toads, uh yeah a buddy of mine I fish with in, from Tennessee uh. He like waxed me on Gunnersville with horny toads, so I decided I would pick one up and give it a try. And it's it's pretty fun. It gets a yeah. I mean, everybody's fished frogs and knows what kind of bite you get. The the horny toad bite overall, and it could just be you know the time of year or something like that. It's been very very aggressive bites. Like I don't know how much y'all frog fish, but you know sometimes like if you're throwing like a hollow body, sometimes they explode on it and sometimes they just suck it down. Uh, so far, like. I think every fish I've caught on a horny toad has been like heart stopping explosion. Even if it's like a 10 inch <laughs> fish, like they go nuts. So huh. it's, it's been a cool new little thing for me to pick up, but that's, that's probably the I'm trying to think if there's any other top waters I throw. I like, I like the spooks and walking baits, the horny toads, the walker ploppers. I still throw, uh, like going into sunset and stuff like that. It's when I like to throw a buzz bait. Uh, I don't really throw it in the morning anymore. Uh, which I've, I've gotten, a, it's been kind of sad. The I haven't had a really good topwater bite this year. Um, you know, the last couple of years, you could usually get a couple of days where you could just carry the topwater bite for a while. And I know guys that are doing it on the same body of water I am. I just have not had the luck this year. It's usually one or two fish here and there, kind of random. But, yeah, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's about it for my topwater. I'm still, I just like this morning is a perfect example. I got up super early uh, before dark, uh, made it out on the water right at sunrise, and I was throwing a whopper plopper and uh, uh, what the, what other? Um, I didn't try a frog. I guess it was just a regular popper, like like a yeah. popper. And I had no luck. I like I don't know what 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 I'm doing wrong, but <clears throat> that, I, it, it's situational. And I'll tell you, the popper is something. A guy I fish with here, Greg, all the time. He just smashes them on a pop R, and I don't know if I've ever caught a fish on one. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I don't seem to have the patience for it, which 
it's just like throwing any other top water. I don't know. I just get I get tired of that thing quick. And uh, I usually like when he's throwing a pop R, I throw like a really small spook and then just slow the cadence down like ridiculous. Like one pop lets it, one pop lets it. Or I'll throw, uh, I've had a little bit of success on like the smaller popping frogs. Uh, but the pop R is just like, I think I have two and they'll sit there and rust because I'm probably not ever going <laughs> to. If you want them, I will send them to you. <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't putting mine to use. So. What size uh, Whopper Flopper have you been using? Uh, today I was throwing the smaller one, but uh, I almost the short switched fat up. one or the short. Yeah, one? The, the, 75. Short one. the seventy-five. Yeah, it kept rolling on me though. That was the only thing I didn't like about it. Put a snap <clears> swivel. <throat> uh, put a, yeah, put a swivel on it. I said snap swivel, barrel swivel. That won't mess with uh, anything. I'll have to try that. I haven't noticed it. Um, <clears throat> I haven't done it on all the sizes. I've done it on the one thirty and the seventy-five and maybe the ninety. And it, I mean, of course, it's going to add a little bit of weight, but Usually, the way that thing planes out, if you just reel it up kind of quick, you can get it back on water. It doesn't really change anything, but okay. it will definitely stop the roll. Okay, I'll have to try that. See, I've, I've kind of, you know, last year, everybody knows I was huge on the Whopper Blobber. <laughs> and, you know, this year so far, yeah, I've thrown it a little bit, but it's like for a couple minutes at a time that I stop because I'm having so much success with a swim bait right now, you know, at all all times of the day where I'm like, I don't want a chance not catching these fish by switching it up to something else. Yeah. That's, that's something that I have a challenge myself with sometimes, like, especially in tournaments. Um, I know what's working, but then there's things I want to be trying. So I try to like, okay, this isn't the time to do that. And then, you know, when I'm not in a tournament or something like that, I'll have a day where like, I don't care what they're biting. I'm going to throw this jig all day until I can figure out what I'm doing wrong. And I did that this year with, uh, cause I, I wasn't a big swim bait person. And, uh, I started throwing underspins, uh, like late last year on Gunnersville and I caught two big fish back to back and then lost one. And I was like, okay, well maybe this is something I should figure out. So I've, I've, I've been on the underspin train this year and it's, it's been fun. And then I just got the, the wicked willows in that everybody's been going, nuts about in the, in the <laughs> chat and i was not happy i had that i went uh small i went up a creek for a little local tournament and my whole plan was to go up the creek catch a whole bunch of smallmouth on that underspin and i didn't get the first bite on it i caught them all on a texas trick hmm. which i'm not upset about i mean i won some money and i caught all smallmouth it was the best ass smallmouth i've ever had so it's well, just, I didn't catch them how I wanted to. So. <laughs> I've been catching a lot of fish on that wicked willow, uh, wicked weights, wicked willow. Like that's what when I said swim bait, throwing it on the underspin. Yeah. Know? And man, it's I don't know. I, I've been wanting to learn a swim bait, but I haven't really got into it until now with that underspin. And what I love about it is I can. I can fish it pretty much any column of the water. I can keep it up towards the top. I can run it through the middle. I can let it go to the bottom. Man, that's one thing I love about the swim bait. The the biggest thing that I've liked about the uh, so I, I you know I used to be old school. I loved uh, spinner baits. You know, willow blades, Colorado blades didn't matter. They all had a place. I've almost gotten away from throwing them completely because the a lot of the places we fish are 
lots of grass. Like one of my favorite places to fish right now, uh, according to the guy I've been fishing with, he's never seen it. Like it looks like right now, it looks like Gunnersville does in October when frog season's like that perfect spot. If the grass came in super early, it died off super early. The mats are up. So uh, that was like the first place this year I really put on the underspin because I knew it'd come through the grass a little better. And this, the guy I fish with, Greg, he usually just beats my, you know, beats the brakes off of me when we fish. He's good. And the beginning of that day, he was throwing the spinner bait and I was throwing the underspin and I was just, you know, three to one. And then, of course, he swapped up and destroyed me, but whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've got a lot of confidence in that this year. And then the, the Texas rig, man, I, I put it down for a long time. My buddy Dan, I don't think he's ever been fishing and not had one on and it kind of seeing him, you know, keep catching fish on it when we were struggling, I swapped back to using Texas rig. And, and then, you know, a lot of your creeks and stuff, crayfish are plentiful. So kind of makes sense to be throwing one. Don't try to really force any other kind of bite really. I mean, they're, so, they're, they're so abundant here, you know, you need to be throwing it. So when you're throwing a Texas rig, is it safe to say you're throwing like a crawl style bait on it? I rarely throw anything else. <laughs> With a just a pegged weight? Uh, like depends on where I'm fishing. If there's any kind of, because like all of our creeks don't have grass in them. Some of, a couple of them do. Uh, if I'm, if I'm in a good moving creek that's rocky bottom, I actually don't peg it. I like to let the weight just kind of do whatever it wants to, give it its own action. Um, and then when it's a little grass here, I'll peg it. Um, the rare, sometimes I'll take a, instead of if I'm not, you know, if you have one of the days where the crawl's not working, I'll throw on a uh, Ultra Vibe Speed Worm. And I like to peg that one pretty much any time I use it. And uh, actually, up until this year, that I caught my biggest fish on that skipping it under docks it you can do so much with an ultra vibe speed worm you can swim it on top weightless like a top water you can swim it in the column like a you know like you would any kind of swim bait or you can just work it on the bottom like a texas rig it's real versatile now that made me come up with this question here you know i'm pretty big jig fishing guy so is there like a time when I should swap up a jig for like a Texas rig crawl or what? So I used to think that there is, and you know, everybody will have their own opinion on this. So coming up to probably last year, Texas rig was my choice. I didn't believe in throwing jigs. Well, then I started throwing finesse jigs and I started getting more bites. So I decided to go to that route for a while. And then something I've kind of played with at the, towards the end of the year was, if I had a good Texas rig bite going, I'd put it down and then go to like the same color setup jig and see if the bite changed. Some days it did, some days it didn't. So it's it's hard to say. It's something that you can definitely toy with if you're having a tough day. Uh, sometimes they like the simpler profile of a Texas rig, and then sometimes they like to see that big skirt sitting on the bottom. So I don't think there's really a right or wrong answer to that because I, I, I do it both ways. And I still... I probably would say I prefer to pull out a finesse jig. I like to use a, like a three sixteenths ounce or smaller little round ball finesse jig. Uh, I mean, they're tiny. And uh, I probably prefer to use that, but I, I probably had more size and quality with a Texas rig. But 
that's still kind of like a little ongoing experiment I'm doing. I, I go out one day. I don't even take, you know, I'll take the stuff to do a Texas rig, but I try to make sure I don't change from that jig that day. And then the other days I swap it up and just Texas rig and see, just to see. <clears throat> Texas rig is something that's so hard for me to throw just because I'm always, you know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but I'm always trying to throw something that I don't think somebody else is throwing. You know, to try to try to put something that they ain't seeing from other people. You know, that's one reason why I love that underspan because I haven't seen anybody else around here throw it, which they might be, and I just don't know it, but I haven't seen it. But, like, everybody and their mama throws a Texas rig. You know, every beginning fisherman, one of the first things that they do Texas. is a Texas rig. Texas rig worm. So... I feel like that's one of the most like overthrown setups out there and fish have seen it a million times. And so that, that it's so hard for me to tie that on. It can't, it is, but okay. So you, you can revert back to the kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah. I, it, it's always caught fish. It'll always catch fish. The way I try to look at it is that's where I start to play like the color game. Like, okay, sure, they've seen it, but if it looks so natural, they'll eat it anyway. Or then you think about what time of the year it is and if they're aggressive. Like like right now, we're post-spawn. I don't, I ain't been fishing in three weeks, so I don't know. But like the last time I was fishing, they were feeding back up real heavy. So I was like, sure, you've seen this, but you're going to eat it because that's what your, what your mode is right now. And then with uh, like... Like you were saying, trying to throw stuff they haven't seen, something I don't focus on that as much as I try to focus on finding the stupid fish, the fish that nobody has seen. So some people try to fish a high-pressured area with something different. I try to find an area nobody's been to where I can throw anything. And it just, but, that helps. <clears throat> just another perspective of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that too. You know, I, I generally try to go to places that aren't, heavily fished but with us doing this live bracket tournament i've been trying to focus on a lake that's got good cell phone signal so that oh, way yeah. i'm not oh. breaking up too much on that so i've been fishing percy priest lake here in tennessee and it is a very high pressured lake yeah and uh so yeah it's it's been fun kind of learning this area i've been fishing and uh yeah it, it, it's it's weird because you know i know there's smallmouth in there and i'm fishing a ton of rock but i haven't yet caught a smallmouth out of there i'm like come on give me give me a smallmouth <laughs> I've, I've only caught like two smallmouth in my life like are you uh do you run electronics i i got a cheaper fish finder i got the uh lawrence hook hook two four x it's like 120 bucks like right right now like if you're going out Try to find, don't find a lot of rocks. Try to find just a random rocks in a little bit deeper water. Like with it going into summer right now, the the smallmouth typically people argue this. Eat, like on like Pickwick, they'll move they'll move out first because they spawn first. So like, are you you still in the bracket challenge, right? Yeah, yeah I'm fishing tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're like, recording this on Saturday. I fish against Sam Jones tomorrow. So do some good luck. <laughs> <laughs> do some uh do some late night homework and 
try to find an old map or something that you or like uh, Google Earth and go back through like try to find out when the last time you had a real good drought was. Find that date, go on Google Earth and look at the lake then and see if you can find just a random rock pile somewhere that's that of course you can get to safely. And then run out there and try to fish that. That might that might work, it might not. But sometimes on high pressure lakes you need to find the one thing that's different. Yeah. But well, to just to be completely honest, once this bracket tournament's over or I'm out, I'm gonna be hitting Duck River a lot and chasing smallies on there. Oh yeah. So I'm looking so at getting up up towards up your way. I'm wanting to go uh, get on the Collins. And uh I'm not sure where that's at. It is I think it's just east of Nashville. I think. It's up to I'm trying to remember what part of Tennessee. I was up there picking up a boat and the guy met me at a ramp on the Collins River and it it was beautiful. Like creek fishing. I saw I paddled a, a boat out like twenty feet, turned around the comeback, looked down, and there were three like four pound smallmouth swimming by. <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh yeah, we fish musky and all sorts of trophy smallmouth out of here." And I was like, "I'll be back." And I just haven't been able to make it work. But. Okay, let's see. It, it's about an hour and a half away from me. Yeah. There's a bunch of nice y'all. Like I'm in the mecca if you want to fish the Tennessee River. I feel like, but middle to eastern Tennessee or what I like how I like to fish. I could definitely see me moving that way. <laughs> yeah, see, I want to fish more of those, like, more hidden areas that don't get a lot of pressure and stuff. But my thing is I don't know where I'm allowed to put in or where to put in and where to take out and all that good stuff. You're allowed to put in anywhere until someone tells you you're not. That's the way I do it. <laughs> no, unless it's got that like is a... bad advice. Do not listen to him on that, guys. <laughs> like, if it's got, like, a federal stamp on it or it visibly says no trespassing, you know, of course, we don't play with it. But, like, if I find that on a map and it, you know, I'm not going to drive down someone's, like, driveway to get to it or something like that, but... I mean, we've asked a buddy of mine. Yeah, a buddy of mine uh, found a put in behind a church, and he called, contacted the people at the church, and was like, "Hey, can I park in your parking lot and use it?" And they were like, "Sure." So, I mean, there's always that route. You know, you never know until you ask. But you know, we got a lot of uh, like the TVA land and stuff like that, and miles and miles of gravel roads that most people don't realize are public. So there's tons of fishing hole like hot spots that everybody thinks is private property that are wide open to anybody but nobody goes there hmm. so and i would say that people listen to this are like oh i got that juice for no any serious fisherman over here already knows that it's the people that aren't <laughs> that serious but uh yeah i was gonna pull up talking about hidden gems i was gonna pull show you a quick i don't know if i'll be able to pull it up and you actually see it sell those stars Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's only like a 15-mile, you know, circle. See, I don't know that we have anything like that here around me. Like, <clears throat> I think pretty much that all our water. Know. Well, right, but, <laughs> I mean, I know of the water around me. So, uh, but, yeah. I didn't either. And uh, I, I fished with a guy. Uh, I met a guy named uh, Greg Massey. He's a local guy. And he heard me say I'd never caught a fish on a frog. So he took me to a place get me on frogfish and then me and him became friends and he he doesn't like just give away his spots which is fine 
but he like showed me what to look for on a map. So like you want to talk about like stuff you've looked at 500 times and then you find that key and you're like, Oh my God, I've got to go there. And then you go there and you have a great day. Like, uh, we was talking Whopper Plopper and you know, like you're saying, you get away from it. I do the same thing and, but it's a good bait that I like to use in the summer when I go find a new spot. It's just like, especially if you don't think anybody's been there, it just causes so much ruckus. Something's going to eat it. And, uh, I found a spot last year. I'll say I found a spot. Me and a buddy found a spot and we couldn't find a way to get into it, but we found a road that crossed it and you could just stand on this little pipe and you could make a cast. I made five casts caught three fish i think it was a 19 a 19 and a 20 and the fifth cast i was using a whopper plopper 130 on 65 pound braid and this this creek was six feet wide about 100 yards long i threw that whopper plopper as far as i could and a fish ate that 130 came up shaking his head broke my knot threw the 130 in a tree and I swear that fish would have ate that 20-inch I caught. Wow. And you're talking a foot of clear water, and they were hiding up under the bank where you couldn't see them. It just, anybody that would drive over there would look down, see the brim, and be like, nah, never mind. And yeah, I it's just, like, oh, there ain't no fish in there. It's too small. Yeah. And then we went back. I told him, I sent him pictures. was like, we have to put our boats in here. One, there's good fish. Two, I got to go get my whopper plopper out of that tree. <laughs> and, uh we found a way to get in from the river, which makes it legal for our tournaments because you, as long as it's accessible by, like if we say we're fishing Wheeler Lake, yeah, yeah, if if you say you're fishing Wheeler Lake, you can fish anything it touches as long as you don't cross a man-made thing. So that's kind of how we try to get away from everybody. And uh, we put in, got in that creek, saw 5 billion cottonmouth, and was like, no, I don't think I'm out. <laughs> I saw the biggest cottonmouth I've ever seen. Me and him, we got so we put in from the river and we paddled all the way to that pipe that I was standing on. Well, we got out for a minute and we're just talking and taking a break. We were going to get back in, turn around, and paddle out. And we were standing on that pipe and about 80 to 100 yards down this creek, and like I said, it's only six feet wide. We see a snake get in on one side, cross it, and his head came out before his tail got in. Wow. By like a good second or two. And I just looked at him and he was like, I'm training for a marathon right now. I think I'm just going to run, get the truck. <laughs> and he literally did. He he jogged for like two miles to go to the truck. Dude, you yeah. got me heebie-jeebies right now. Like snakes. Or I'm going to send you the footage. I'm hoping my, I'll have to look through and see if I've still got it. That smallmouth trip I took like two or three weeks ago, I had probably a four and a half footer. The, the body of water I was on was, I was in a pinch point coming through a rapid. And he coiled up and came down the middle, and I had to back out of the rapid because he was just about to run into. He was huge. Oh my gosh! Uh, it's it's like that story from uh, the national championship when it was down in Louisiana. I forget who it is, but somebody like got out, like they were getting out, and they found a snake under their seat yeah. on their kayak. And I'm like, was no. that Mike Elsie? Was that? I, I don't. I can't remember who it was. Can't remember. But like, how long has this thing been just chilling under your seat? Like. Uh, yeah, I, got, that, I, I, I keep a 360 view on my kayak all the time. Like, I, I don't want nothing like that I, happening to me. After seeing that was the second snake I saw that morning, and after seeing him, my head was on a swivel because he, the smaller ones 
don't really mess around. As he went by floating, he turned to keep contact with me the whole time. So I booked it up that rapid and turned around to make sure he wasn't trying to swim upstream and he was still going down. But like it's <laughs> something that got Greg when he started showing me how to find all these spots. He's like, usually when I find a spot that you're really likely to get bit by a cottonmouth, they're usually really good fishing holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, so if you do catch fish in those areas, uh, do you like look in their mouth first? Because, you know, you hear like them eating baby snakes and stuff and how they can still be out there and alive. I'm, I probably should. I honestly never do. But the crazy that you brought that up, that same smallmouth trip, uh, one of the 18s I caught when I had it on the board and I had my hand on it, something was rolling around in its stomach. First time I've ever <laughs> felt that. Now, they were feeding up, so it was probably just like small bluegill. But I don't know. Yeah, it and, could, I, and I kept just like playing with it. It was like when your wife is pregnant, yeah. like touch your stomach. <laughs> like as I put my hand on there and it'd be like. Bleh, bleh. I should have got it on video. I should have videoed that. But it was it was creepy. And then I started like, you know, I'm playing with it. And then I was like, bro, what if that's a snake? <laughs> like I'm not scared of snakes, but I'm also not stupid. It will bite me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like snakes at all. Well, if you're going to come down here and fish with me, you're going to have to get over that because most of the places I'm going to take you is going to be something like that. Well, I do carry a gun. There so. you go. <laughs> oh, that, that was during a tournament. When I got back, the, one of the guys that was fishing with me, they were fishing against me, said that he blew one away on, on the main lake because it, it came right up to his boat. Just curious. I can't even imagine that. I Yeah, crazy. See, I've, I've seen snakes on the water and they generally don't really bother me that much when I see them on the water because they kind of keep their distance. But if one like came up to my kayak, I've, I've thought about it like, what am I going to do if Whack one tries to paddle. come up and... But That's what he said he did. He popped it with the paddle and it kind of stuns them and they flip over. And it's kind of like they're like playing dead. And while and I they shoot that, them and they are dead. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> then they're gone. Wow. Uh all right, so to change the subject off snakes, uh, <laughs> kind of rewind here. You were talking about a spook earlier. That's mm-hmm. something that that I've kind of wanted to get more into. It was probably the first topwater lure I ever threw, but I never caught anything off of it. Um, you know, I'd learned how to, like, walk it, but I would, like, continuously walk it with no pauses. And, uh, like... Now I've seen videos where people were just walk it a couple times and then stop it and stuff. So I, I'm guessing that's, that's how, you, how you work it? It all depends. Um, time of year and, uh, you know, of course, how they're acting. Um, so, okay, for like moving water, uh, I usually run a steady cadence and I don't stop. Um, biggest smallmouth I ever caught, I caught on a spook, you know, just on the lower end of a rapid. And I threw against the little, like a seawall. And I just was, you know, just a one, two, case, one, two, one, two. And it was walking. She missed it four times before she got it. But that's, I knew I was fishing for smallmouth. So I knew they'd come back for it. And they're so aggressive. That's why I wasn't really putting a pause in it. Because I knew they were going to react. Um, late in the year when you're starting to get, or even like right now when they're like feeding up. Well, it'll be more. Well, yeah, we got shad spawn stuff going on. So 
when you're seeing like a lot of fish busting schools of shad and stuff like that, um, I'll probably do a little bit of everything. I'll, I'll do a steady cadence over them first. If that doesn't work, which I'll do it two or three times. And then if that don't work, then I'll start, you know, pop, pop, pause, pop, 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 pause. And then sometimes when they're super aggressive, uh, the video I did on Gunnersville last year, you can hear me because I've got the camera facing me. You can hear it, and I'm just click, 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 click. I mean, as fast as I can, just and they're just. I was catching bass and stripe, and it was, which that I mean, I wasn't in a tournament. I was just out there having fun, but it was, you know, they wanted it as aggressive as they could because they were they're schooling up, they're they're chasing schooling fish, so everything's going crazy underneath. So something going crazy on tops, just more for them to go after. Uh, but like a, a just a rule of thumb would be like pick your most comfortable cadence and try it first and then start like working around as you're throwing it just to see if they want something. I mean, then, then it may just not work. It may just, it may just not want the spook. And what it, kind of setup do you use for your, uh, your, your, when you're throwing top water? I've been playing with it. Um, so last year I was throwing it on a, uh, the Dobbins Sierra 734, which is a, it's like a moderate heavy, uh fast action it's i would say it's probably a little bit closer to a heavy uh but it's got a really good tip so you can really get that line pop for the walk and but it's got a lot of backbone um i've when i throw the smaller one i like to throw it on my crankbait rod on like a, a, a dobbins uh 705 cb which i think is a medium i think it's a medium heavy but I don't know what part of that rod is heavy in that description. <laughs> that thing's perfect crankbait rods, real flexy. And I like that. I like to throw a softer tip most of the time with uh, treble hook baits of any kind anyway, so you can kind of lean into it. You know, you don't... That was something I noticed, again, going back, like I am always fish this thing, but I never do anymore, the Whopper Plopper. I noticed that I used to miss more fish when I used too stiff a rod with that. I swapped up to throwing them on a crankbait rod, and, you know, when they suddenly hit it and you know you get that reaction you wouldn't jerk it out of their mouth because that crankbait rod would just load up so you'd you'd still have them pinned and that that was something that like greatly increased my hookups with that mm. just the rod interesting how about line uh like i'd always heard that for top water you should throw mono because it floats obviously but do you if i throw top water at all i throw braid only braid only uh, okay mm-hmm. see I, that's that's what I was wondering with, with the spook because, you know, I use braid for whopper plopper and you always hear everybody talk about braid for frogs because usually fishing it around grass, but that spook, you know, with mono, I was always able to get a good action with that spook. Uh, but with braid, I have a lot harder time getting that walk. I can walk it better with braid. The one thing you have to watch with braid, because a spook moves so much when it dances, you have to really pay attention. Oh, I say really pay attention. You have to really pay attention when you're first like learning how to do it. Uh, you have to kind of have line management because the spook will overrun the braid. Yeah, that I pick that up. happened to me the first time I threw it on braid, and that's why I didn't. I stopped there. I actually, well, I tied on a mono leader just so I had a, a bit of mono ahead of it. But the the thing that I've noticed that. And it may not be, and it could be, you know, how I hold and everything. Um, when I'm sitting down, I've started, I'll angle the rod kind of 45 degrees to the side, and I just keep the tip a little higher. And I honestly, it's rare I overrun it 
with the bait now. I don't really ever, it doesn't happen. No, you know, like when you pop a false hook set, then it fouls up and you got to bring it in and start over. Um, I mean, I've caught them like that where they've missed it and it's rolled over itself and got all tangled up and then they hit it again. And then I've got a giant knot of fish <laughs> braid treble hooks everywhere. Uh, but I fish braid for everything. I do, uh, like my Texas rig, I use braid to leader. Um, I, I don't throw anything under 50 pound power pro braid. Um, I tried using 30 like a lot of guys do and they're running leaders and they're, you know, on other rigs that aren't top water. And my, what my thing is it digs in too bad. You get, I've had it just where you can look at it and you can see like where your line's feeding from is just buried itself down in the line. And I hate that. I used 30 pound one time. I'll never use it again. Um, 65 pound is usually what's on all of my top water stuffs. I don't, I don't even use the power pro, uh, super slick, which is the, it's like the thinner, flatter braid. I don't even really like that. I, I have some, it just doesn't seem to last as long or I don't know. I just, it doesn't throw as well to me. I like a, a more bulky braid, which saying that the power pro braids diameters on par with everybody else's, you know, they're getting smaller and smaller, but, uh, so for like swim baits and stuff, I've been using 50 to an 18 pound fluoro leader with a uh, Alberto knot, and that's been working fine for going on two years now. I really like it. I just moved up to the 18. I used to throw 50 to 12 on like everything, and uh, I was just having a lot of problems with uh, the leader knot slipping. And then when I got to doing some like research on the diameter. I was like, okay, I'm tying too big to too small. So I stepped up to 18-pound fluoro to get the diameter up a little bit, and I haven't had one fail yet, you know, knock on wood. I've only been doing that this year, but so far the 18's been... And a lot of guys shy away from the heavier line because of, you know, they can see it and all that stuff, but if you pay attention to how thin line's getting now, I mean, take take some old, like, 20-pound mono and hold it up next to some, like, 18-pound fluoro, and they're like, it's the fluoro is like half the size and you still get all that castability out of it and all the benefits of fluoro. See, I kind of stay in the middle with that argument. Like I'm, I'm throwing fluoro on pretty much everything except for my top water. And, you know, I've got uh, like 20 pound on my jig rod, like 15 pound on, my kind of multi-purpose rod, which is chatterbaits and swim underspins and all that kind of stuff. Got like 10 pound on my little Ned rig rod. And, and uh, I, I think this year I put 40 pound braid on my uh, topwater rod, which I don't, I don't fish a lot of grass. So I know a lot of people put like the 65 pound and all that, but with me not having a lot of grass, I didn't feel like I needed that much. But. The way I look at it is with as long as it's not super bulky and you can still get a lot of line on it, it can't hurt to have the heavier braid. Because I'd hate to snap one off on 30 and be like, well, if I'd been running 60, it wouldn't have came off. Because it's not even grass. I mean, I've gotten them wrapped up in trees, and I will, I will dig the branch in half running that braid through it. If I'll pull my boat to that tree just so I can reach down and get that fish. And I know I'm not going to do that with lighter braid or with straight fluoro. And, uh, and I, I know, and I'll correct myself. I do have, I am running straight fluoro on two right now because, uh, 
I've got the Corrado DC reel and one of the Shimano SLX DC reels, and I throw braid deleter on it, and I it was a, it's still a good reel with that digital braking, but I didn't really see all the hype. And then I swapped to straight fluoro or straight braid, either one, and that reel is definitely worth the money at that point. But uh, I was talking to somebody, and he was saying the reason for that is the way that little digital brake was working is when you throw like braid to leader, like according to how you cast, if the braid is out running the leader, and then there's that snap when the leader passes it, that that would confuse the brake and still cause it to give you. I mean, it's still you still have to thumb it. I mean, there's videos of guys not thumbing it. It'll do that. But once you really get seriously fishing with it, it's just like any other reel. It just, for me, it helps like skipping and flipping and stuff like that. Cause you, I can just do it without having to think about it as much. And, you know, if I get distracted and mess up a little bit, the reel forgives it enough where I'm not blowing that cast. But so yeah, that's the only two setups I use. And I've, I probably, once this, the fluoro that's on there now is done, I probably won't, I'll probably go back to braid to fluoro or something like that. I'm just, I haven't really been too big a fan of it. And then I, I same thing on my spin and stuff. He's talking about a Ned rig. I will not throw a Ned rig. I throw a, <laughs> if I'm going that way, I go with a really small Texas rig or a, like a drop shot. I like throwing drop shots. I don't throw a shaky head. I can't figure that thing out for some reason. I don't know why. But if people, if I'm with somebody and they start catching them on a shaky head, I'm just going to start throwing a Texas rig. Like. <laughs> well, to me, it seems like a, a uh, why am I blanking right now? What you just said. Uh, Drop shot, Texas rig? No. The rig? Rig? Shaky head. Shaky head. <laughs> I, 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 I had a brain fart. To me, the, the shaky head is pretty much like a, Texas rig that stands up. That's it. That I don't. That's one reason. I guess I don't get caught up on the hype on it. Um, if there was ever a situation where some fishing with somebody and they're wearing them out on that, and I can't catch a fish, I'd probably give it a second chance. But so far, that hasn't happened. Uh, like when we we have a couple real clear bodies of water here that people are notorious for wearing them out on shaky head, and. Uh, Nobody, nobody I talked to had given a drop shot a chance out there. So we had a tournament there last year, and I threw a drop shot, and that you know I was one fish away from being in the money, and you know I just not really to prove a point, but it was more of like prove something to me, like okay, I don't have to master that technique as long as I can catch fish on something else. And that's I, I try to tell guys that you know this being bass fishing for noobs for. Like new people coming into it, I try to tell them not to get caught up in the hype of what you see. Like right now, if you ask anybody coming into it, they know what a jackhammer is. Don't buy a jackhammer. I, now I use them now, you know, because I see the difference. But if you're just getting into it, you know nothing about how to throw a chatterbait. You don't need a jackhammer. Like I don't know. And it, it's the same thing with. And to add on that real quick, if you don't know how to throw a chatterbait or a jackhammer, go back to January and listen to my episode with Jody Queen, and you can learn. The man that's <laughs> Shameless like $40,000 on a jackhammer. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, that's insane. I don't I don't have a lot of success with a chatterbait, but I have more success with that chatterbait than I did when I was throwing like the customs or anything like that. 
We've got one local guy here that makes one, and it, it doesn't. He's not even trying to mimic the line tie or the head design. His is different, but his would probably compete against it. Like it, it flutters on the way down. It hits just like the jackhammer does, but it's a smaller profile with the same weight. But it's not tungsten. It, I don't know. It's crazy. I've got, I've got some of them in like fire engine red that I love. That like when everybody was on that. Uh, what was it, fire crawl kick when you couldn't find yeah, them nowhere? Yeah. I didn't care. <laughs> I've got a few of the fire crawls, still haven't caught a fish on one, but I can pull out that fire engine red one and start start getting on them. He <laughs> need to hook me up with a name after this so I can uh, talk to this guy. I don't know if he, uh, like he's like he's like old school local. I don't even know if he has an online store or anything like that, but I could definitely go like get you some and ship them to you. Sweet. Yeah, he's got, he's got, I've actually, I've probably got some right now. I can just ship you anyway. I'll have to go look. I think I've got four or five of them that aren't opened yet. Nice. I'll send you a, uh, I've got a, a bubblegum pink one. <laughs> that sounds hey, like smally candy. You need to send that to Dustin Nichols because he hey, loves that bubblegum color. And it's his fault because I bought some of them flukes, man. He <laughs> talked about them, talked about them, then he was catching them and then he held it up and I was like, I like throwing a fluke. I guess I can go get some pink ones. <laughs> Um, I also bought some of those, uh, I'm having another brain fart. Was Alex Rudd was telling us about them. The, the, the stickos? No, the, the Are you on, strike, still talking about chatter the striking the... chatterbait. Oh, oh, uh, the thunder cricket? No. Thunder uh, cricket, thunder yeah, cricket. Yeah. yeah. I, I went out and bought some of those too. I tried throwing one yesterday, but I think I got, I, I don't know, I, I forget how it worked out because I, I placed an order like over a month ago with tackle warehouse and I just got it this week. So I, I forget all the details. I think like they only had like certain sizes and the colors I wanted or something. So uh, it felt really heavy and I, I didn't like how it felt. So I didn't throw it very long. See, and the, the heavy, a heavy feeling one has its place. And it's like when you can find like on Gunnersville, if I can find the grass, that's, thick but not too thick that, that that's a terrible like way to put it i'll throw a heavier one to get it down in the grass yeah yeah but, and i've almost replaced doing that too because now i'll just throw the underspin and let it sink and i'll fish it lower in the column well see alex Rowe was telling us that you know he he finds that you know the thunder cricket does better around rock and the jackhammer does better around grass Grass, yeah and and since i have like no grass but a ton of rock. I was like, I'm gonna get some of these, and that's what I'm trying to throw it around. But I, I feel like I need a lighter weight because that's just really heavy. That's definitely something I don't. I, I honestly don't throw a chatterbait around around rock ever. Usually, if I get around rocks, when I start trying to throw stuff to get in the rocks, you know, I jigs and Texas rigs. I like throwing a drop shot on riprap, which is terrible for your bank account. Uh, well if you're using tungsten weights i've gotten away from using tungsten weights on drop shots it's too expensive and i don't like if i want to feel the bottom more when i'm using a drop shot i just throw a heavier one like that's just been a good that's like a little tip you know just i pick up a heavier one and i can feel the rocks with it just to sign because i'm using braid deleter on that too so i've got a lot of line sensitivity so i just i feel like the tungsten's kind of overkill on that and like places like Lake St. Clair or stuff like that, I could see where it would probably come in handy because the smallmouth up there, so like line shy and stuff like that. But 
I, I definitely I have I have jumped on the tungsten train on everything else though. Have either one of y'all tried those uh, tomahawk ones from Wicked Weights? It, I'm a believer in those now. Are you? If if you if do you skip or anything like that ever? Not generally. If I do, it's kind of like, hey, let me see if I can get up under that really low tree branch, and yeah, well, it usually ends in bird nests. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about like? Uh, smaller rock, like like riprap, but when it's just like smaller concentrations of it, I don't that run into weight a lot gets of in and out of there so good. See, that's what uh, on the Susquehanna, man. The the bottom is all sorts of little rock like that, where if you're just dragging any any most anything gets hung up regularly. So that no, it I'm sure that you could have the argument that because of the shape, it would get hung up more. But once I figured out. Cause I was fishing moving water. So when I was facing straight upstream, it was getting hung every cast. But when I started fishing more parallel, I could throw it all the way up the rapid and you could, I could feel it come down the current and you could just feel it just bouncing off the rocks and huh. then get the hit and then boom, small mouth. It was, I like, I wish I had, I should have brought it in here with me. It started out that pretty black tungsten <laughs> and now it's barely that shape anymore. I have beat it to death. <laughs> like, and from one day of just, carnage now something that i have ordered from wicked weights that i got in recently i haven't tried them yet is their their nail weights because mm-hmm. i think the next technique that i'm going to try to you know learn is like a wacky rig slash nico rig like i guess kind of figure them both out and when to use each one and stuff so i, did, I actually found out recently that so a lot of a lot of people like you just said it was like wacky slash Nico, and I finally saw the real difference other than the weight. So, and I can't remember whose video it was. One of the pros' videos I saw it on. So you know, obviously your hooks like this when you're running a wacky. Well, the correct way when you run the Nico is that the hook is supposed to be in line, in line. With stick bait. Yep. And I have been doing that wrong. <laughs> so, I would have done it wrong if you wouldn't have said that. So I have I've been doing that wrong, and I was like, so the the weight isn't what makes it the Nico rig; it's the 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 profile and the the layout with the hook. And uh, I'm I'm excited to try it a little different now because I usually just throw a wacky and throw a and I don't even use nail weights anymore. Uh, something I got from a an old guy in a John boat. Uh, he goes and buys a box of uh, finishing nails. Not they maybe they're not finishing nails. But they've got a really they're real small real skinny but they got a really broad head on them but when you bury that in that cinco and you pop that flat top in it you don't lose it i've lost so much money in i mean how many times have you cast and you watch the nico weight go one way and the worm go the other <laughs> and with that little nail and like something i've done with it do, you, do either of y'all ever like to fish a fluke so I've still I'd rather throw a wacky rig worm over a fluke, but I I've just was talking to somebody today that was saying, well, you should try a fluke because it's I got some flukes uh, as trailers on my chatterbaits right now. So something you can keep in mind, uh, like right now you got like shad spawn going on and stuff like that. Uh, I like to throw a weightless, just you know the zoom fluke, you know, on like a five aught wide gap hook that that hook will give it that little bit of extra weight to get it down and then i'll put a nail like if you're if you're looking at it and the hook's facing up 
say the bait's going this way, I'll put the hook right past the line tie. Or, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. put the nail right past the line tie and tuck it down in the top of that fluke. And it makes it give it a more nose-down profile, and it'll get down in the grass. So, like, when you're, like, we're fishing Gunnersville or something like that right now, when you know they're eating up on shad, you know, that means they're active. So I put the wacky worm up, get the fluke out, and, you know, the fluke, by definition, is a soft jerkbait. So I throw it up shallow and just twitch, 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 and, you know, you can watch it dance. But with that little bit extra weight in it, it'll do, like, dives instead of just lefts and rights. Like, you can make it jump out of the water and just changing how you twitch or changing your rod angle. And it, that's a bait that I didn't have any confidence in until last year. And once I learned that trick, because my whole thing with the fluke was it's too light. Like, for me, to, I don't understand how people are using it as a soft jerk bait when it doesn't weigh anything. And changing up to, I got the, the five aught five wide gap hook idea was from the tactical bassin guys. And then the, the that old guy telling me to use the nails instead just totally changed the ball game on that. Now, typically, you know, when I'm tournament fishing, you know, I've probably got like eight rods with me. I the flukes on there at all times, smoking shad. Like, you can usually find a bite on that thing. May not be a good bite, but you'll find a bite. Yeah. One more time, where you put that nail again? Okay, so if you've got your if you've got your hook in your hand and you've got the tip facing up and the line ties facing this way. So, you know, hook sitting like this. When you rig that fluke on their Texas rig, um, your line comes into the nose of the fluke and then your line tie like when I rig it, I cover the line tie so you it's not exposed, mm-hmm. so it's kind of sitting over it. Right, I feel around with my thumb and find that line tie, and right past the line tie, I tuck the nail into. The, basically, you're you'd be more into the back of the fluke, but still kind of forward on the body, and I just tuck it in right there. That way, it's you know it's not in it at the side, so it's not giving it a a pitch any one way. It's right on top of the line, the tie of the hook, and it's just extra weight to make it nose down, and it's worked so far it's i might have to give that a try yeah i'll uh when we get done don't get off i'll run grab my tackle box i've probably got one set up i'll show you i was always curious about that too uh, because i I don't and i don't know if it was the amount of current that i was trying to fish it in but i with a just a regular fluke on a on a regular wide gap hook i i just had no feeling for it you know i felt like it was just getting blown down when I'm fishing, if I use a fluke in current, that's usually I won't use the nail, and I won't even be using it as a jerk bait. I'll be using it looking for the fish, just looking for something floating down through the through the current. Um, same thing with a uh, like a wacky rig. You can get those uh, Yamamoto swim sinkos. It's got the paddle tail on them. Mm-hmm. And when you find like at the beginning of this year, you know it was raining so much. Um, the guy that he he didn't win the Logan Martin Bass event. I think he came in the top ten though. I'm blanking on his name, but that's what he was doing was he found a where water was rushing out of a drain and he would just throw the wacky rig up and just let it blow it by him. And when it huh. blow it by him, they'd just see it thinking it's just something caught in the current. It's just a, there's there's tons of different little things like that that I don't think any one person can master. But little little things I like to pick up on here and there. Definitely. Right on. Well, I'm kind of out of questions and stuff. What, what you got anything, Sean? 
No, I, we've covered it a ton like of his stuff. His ears are turning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just waiting. I'm, I, yeah, that's that's how it always goes. I get so many good ideas, and then I go out in the water. I'm like, what did he say? What should I do, <laughs> man? Keep notes. Like that's a good tip for new new guys. Is I've got notebooks all over, which is sad. I should probably just put them in one notebook, but <laughs> I try to jot stuff down. You know, I'll I'll make notes because I like listen to like YouTube stuff in my truck because I drive like a hundred miles one way for work. So I have tons Jeez. of time to listen. Yeah, I have a ton of time to listen to like podcasts and stuff like that. And I have a little notepad on there. And I mean, obviously, I'm not going to stop and like write down everything, but I'll write something to make me remember to go back and get the information from. Um, I mean, and you pick up stuff like that from everybody. Like uh, the Tactical Bassin guys, their YouTube channel is full of information. And then, uh, but you catch stuff from guys like Greg Blanchard or Christine Fisher watching her videos and be like, oh, okay. So that's how you run the chatterbait, or that's how you, you know, like, like Greg with, uh, like the frog. He does the frog a lot different than like you see a lot of people work. You like, a lot of people when they pick up a hollow body, and I was the same way. Is you want to learn how to walk it, so you're line twitching and all that stuff. If you ever watch a video of how he runs it, he's just jerking the handle, and the frog's doing it on its own. He's not moving the rod. He's just popping the reel just cranking the handle in different cadence and that frog. And I mean, he slays them out there in California on a frog. So I, and I still, when I start throwing a hollow body, I'll still start popping it and I'll stop myself. And be like, no, try it the other way, try it the other way, but no success yet. Oh. But still, I also don't give the hollow body a lot of time. I like swimming frogs. So I'll throw a hollow body and within like five casts, I'm like, okay, they don't want this. So, I, so I've got <laughs> like, $150 in hollow body frogs that will sit there and probably rot because I never throw them. See, I, I bought some of those frogs. I think they're by Booya, but they they got the little uh, like clear tail thing on it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it, the, uh, the boot tail. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I bought some of those. Like, like, I want these to work because you see videos of people and they pretty much work it like a whopper plopper, you know, just, just winded. I'm like, I could do that. I'll share a I'll share another frog you should try when we get off. I can't I can't give that one away on on the podcast. <laughs> but I promise you it's a especially like I know you don't have a lot of grass, but if you can like find it doesn't even have to be grass, but if you find anything trash in the water or something like that, this frog will I I, I do have a spot. I can't fish it for the live bra uh, bracket tournament we're doing because I don't have a signal. I do got a spot. It's not grass, but it's like just muck and nasty stuff uh, covering the whole top of the water and a bunch of tr standing trees in the water. So I'm, that'd be a really good place for a frog, like, I feel like. Like in my head right now, all I can think of is frog Cinco. Like Cinco at the trees, frog to cover water to see where they're sitting. I wish I could have got in on in, in time to get on that bracket, but yeah, yeah. I don't think I would have been any good because all of the spots I have have no cell phone signal or I have to fish them at night to catch them. So I'm out already. <laughs> I'll just be sitting in a marina somewhere waiting to take my L. <laughs> well, I mean, you said you're close to Gunnersville. I know uh, Dan has fished, fished there a couple times at least on his. He's got a good spot. I know, I know roughly where he is when he's up there. And it's not like the place he's at is like a secret it's one of the m biggest known places there it's just what he's got out there is different um uh, he likes fishing there i usually fish 
Well, actually, I've, it's kind of split. So I have two spots on Gunnersville. One is extremely south. One is really far Well, I say really far north. It's north for what our boundaries are. So in our tournament, you can't go past Stevenson, which is about, you're like 30 minutes shy of the Tennessee state line. So we don't cover that whole lake during our tournament. But uh, it's a one. It's literally one boat ramp south of where Dan goes all the time. And I could go there if I ever, you know, because if like y'all do this, we do this again. I could go there, but it's not somewhere that I would be confident in all the time, especially not when you like how we're having the, y'all are having to orchestrate times and stuff. Yeah. So that, but that's what makes the bracket challenge fun. Like it helps some people, and then it ruins everybody else. So. <laughs> But I do like how long y'all's is compared. I think that the two-hour thing that they were doing on Five Live would just frustrate me. Yeah, I, you know, I have a hard enough time trying to find one fish in four hours. So, you know, two hours, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I might as well not even get out of bed. You know, I, I've had, sleep I've in. had d- days where, you know, the five and two hours has happened. But I've never thrown up 90 inches in five in five fish in two hours. I've never thrown up 90 inches in a tournament ever. Like, it's just, I, I fall apart in tournaments. Like, pre-fishing will go good, or, you know, fishing lead, even if I'm not pre-fishing the tournament body of water, fishing will be going good tournament day. I don't know if I get in my head too much, or if I don't get in my head enough, but it just, I can win the throwdowns every now and then, the little local ones that I hold on. I can win them every now and then, but don't put your money on me if, there's money on like big money online it's not gonna happen see i fall apart on monthlies you know i i was sitting pretty far back in uh in the may new monthly until like that last day or two i was so mad so i got in on the may monthly i literally only had time to fish one day and it was the like worst day you know it was like two days post post front blue skies bright sun i missed like four fish on a frog it just wasn't happening so that all fell apart and then you know the monthly ended on the 21st the 23rd is the day that i went and slayed all those smallmouth in that creek and i put up <laughs> i put up my best five went like 85 or 86 which would have been good enough to qualify for the the national championship on Cato. Yeah. i was like ah figures yeah that sucks but at least now you know like, you could... That's the whole reason I got in that. I don't care about winning a check. I wanted to go to that championship. So there's still I'm I've paid for this time. month. I yeah. paid for this month and blew my shoulder out. So uh, see, you just need to learn how to cast with the other arm. That's I can I can do it. The thing with my arm is like loading and unloading a boat. Yeah. I I could almost do it completely left handed, but like every every day at work when I like re mess it up, it just it hurts so much that I'm just like no I don't even want to try like it's sad that going fishing is like the last thing I'm thinking about at that point because it's been I need to go get it fixed but I remember the first time I had it looked at they were telling me like six months recovery time and I was, I was like, just gonna ah, say I did that nope. I, I had <laughs> uh, my a torn rotator cuff and the recovery was six months and I was like oh you know okay well at least I can do this this and this like at that point I was running. And they're like, no, you can't run because the motion of running with your arms, it, I'm like, wait. So I literally could do nothing for six months. It sucked. And especially so, the the beginning, you take for granted. Like, you, 
you use two hands to pull up your pants. I couldn't pull up my pants with one hand. I was, I was like, I can't get dressed. This is awful. I mean, that just sounds like a good excuse for me to stay home and not wear pants. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That, that sounds like a good winter project. You know, that's that's that, kind of what I'm hoping. I'm hoping I can like nurse it along because I so I know it's a blown rotary cuff, but I think the pain that I'm having, I think I've gotten bone spurs in it because my my father-in-law had the same thing happen, and uh, I've dealt with the pain for probably ten years because it's just like here and there. But it was so bad like two weeks ago that it was making me nauseous, and I've never had pain make me nauseous before. So I, it was just I was like oh, and so I'm I'm trying to hold out till winter. Just have surgery and sit at home and not do anything, which is going to be really bad. But <laughs> right on. Well, hey, uh, you know, listeners are probably tired of hearing us ramble. Oh about yeah, we can ramble all night. Not fishing <laughs> stuff. So let let's uh, wrap this up. You got any shout outs you want to do real quick before we end it? Oh yeah, I'll just uh, you know shout out to Hook One Outfitters in Murfreesboro and Hendersonville, letting me be a part of their team this year and. All those guys up there, I love all those guys, and shout out to New Canoe for them too, man. Uh, been part of their team this year. It's been awesome. Real cool company to be a part of, man. A huge family. All That's sorts awesome. of cool stuff coming too. Cool. Now, when you said you drive up to Tennessee to hook one, are you talking about Murfreesboro? Yeah. Dude, you're. It's like thirty minutes from the house. So, so Dude, next, next time, time I come up, next time I come up there, I'll hit you up because I yeah. come up there because so like. Just real quick, part of my thing with New Canoe is I'm on New Canoe's team. I'm on Hook One's team. The dealer, the New Canoe dealer I'm responsible for with New Canoe is Hook One. So I go in, check in, see if they need anything. So I go up there all the time and goof off with those guys. And um, the new store manager, uh, Matt Stewart, I'll introduce you to him. He's a cool guy. You And he... I've probably that, met him before and just not know... That is somebody that you should go fish with because he's so methodical and he's really good at teaching and i'm sure he could like anything that you're having trouble with or anything like he could he's the, like i can tell you he can show you but he's and real cool ne- and next time you're in there look at the checkout counter you'll see some paddle and pin stickers sitting there for people to take that's the reason i have some because up until like two weeks ago i didn't have any i got some from dan but i was in there <laughs> I was in there and saw them on the counter, and I grabbed like half of them. I was like, I don't even have these. So I... <laughs> Great. Now I got to go deliver some more. That's right. <laughs> but no, I appreciate you coming on here and, uh, and, you know, letting everybody get to know you a little better, letting the news get to know you. If you don't already listen to the reel down, make sure you listen to it. I was about to say on Fridays, but it's not on Fridays at eight live. Eight, yeah, you guys top. talk to so eight many central. cool people. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I would be starstruck as well. So, oh no, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. You like? I like to pick the people's brains that are up there, find those little little nuggets. But yes, but no, so, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been fun. I'm sorry for anybody that's had to listen this whole time because <laughs> <laughs> I can go down rabbit holes all night. So, uh, so eight central time on the Paddle and Finn Facebook page. Check them out live there, and correct me if I'm wrong, the podcast version comes out on Tuesdays? It does. All right. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, this has been the uh, Bass Fishing Renewed segment of Paddle Fin Podcast. We're bringing you the techniques, the tick, trips, and tick. Ah, I screwed it up. <laughs> bringing you the techniques, the 
Crick. Sips. Sips to help you rip more lips. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, we'll catch you later. Later. <laughs> later. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle and Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs.